Welcome on Justin Steele to the Just Baseball Show, left-handed starting pitcher in his second year with the Chicago Cubs and putting together a phenomenal season for the team. Justin, before we get into any questions about your career, we're going to talk about your early high school days, minor leagues, even the major leagues. Let's first address your health as you just went on the aisle recently with a hamstring injury. How are you feeling, my man? Um, I'm feeling good. It was my uh, lower back, which is something very close to the hamstring. Okay. Same, same thing. But... um. It's feeling good. Um, been getting off the mound again. It's starting to go back to normal and stuff. It was my last start uh, <clears throat> against Milwaukee. Um, I was in the sixth inning and I threw a warm up pitch and like just kind of felt something like pull in my back. Didn't really feel comfortable and um, I was kind of like starting to adjust the way I was throwing to get the ball over the plate. And the trainers could tell something was up. So it was, we just made a made the right decision, just like not to force anything. You know, it's the end of the year and whatnot. So uh, just kind of get trying to get my back to a back to 100% before I, you know, get back into games and stuff. Absolutely. And you just had a baby boy late this summer. Do you have any newfound bad strength that's getting you kind of – that's helping you? With uh, I think so. I mean, definitely ever, ever since he was born, I kind of went on a tear. I don't know if it was just becoming a dad, having that responsibility that kind of put a fire under me or what. But <laughs> he's definitely been my good luck charm. Absolutely. You've been shoving lately. And I'm going to take you – all the way back to high school, we're kind of going to work through your career um, kind of periodically. So you were drafted in the fifth round out of high school, but you had a commitment to Southern Miss. How difficult mm-hmm. was that decision to head to the bigs instead of going to college? Um, I mean, for me, it definitely, you know, it just depended on like what the dollar figure was. And, you know, I ended up getting the right one. You know, it made sense for me to bypass college and go ahead and start my professional career. Um, I definitely valued college. Um, my family, you know, definitely valued education and whatnot. I had a little bit of an academic scholarship. I was definitely, you know, had the full plans of going to college and furthering my education and doing everything. But um, once the MLB draft started and, you know, all that kind of took off and um, ended up just deciding to start my professional career and, uh, you know, very, very happy with my decision. So we're speaking with Justin Steele and the Chicago Cubs. This guy was insane in high school. This person who I'm talking to right now through two <laughs> no hitters. I think he hit 420 at high school. Like you were, were you the best all around athlete to ever go to your high school? Um, I, I, I'm not going to say so because <laughs> there's been some really good athletes come through. Um, we've had 14, it's either 14 or 16 baseball players drafted out of my high school at this point. And it's a very small, very small place in uh, south mississippi lusto mississippi so yeah, there's yeah. one high there's one high school in the entire county so everybody in the county goes to one high school um eric molds nfl receiver he he went to my high school claude paso senior who threw a one hitter in the 1945 world series for the chicago cubs he went to my high school that's who my baseball field's named after 
Um, there's been a ton of athletes, but everybody I talked to, like the old heads from where I'm from, they say my dad was the best athlete. So really, it's it, it's kind of crazy how how that works. But um, yeah, uh, the high school high school was the glory days for me. And speaking about your dad, like in post game interviews, I always hear you talk and use the word competing. Like you're always going out there and you're making sure you're competing, and you can mm-hmm. see it on the mound. I mean, you got that bulldog type mentality. The kids refer to it as you got that dog in them <laughs> and your father played at uh, Alabama and your brother played college baseball too. How much of a benefit was it to be raised in a family where they knew how to compete at this high of a level? Oh yeah. I mean, from a very young age, my dad had me and my brother competing against one another. He was five years older than me, but it didn't matter. Like we were in the yard throwing to one another, playing football, dad's quarterback and me and my brother lining up against one another basketball horse you know one-on-one dad's kicking our tails in both like ping pong it didn't matter what we were doing every single day like there was a competition going on in our household and um I think it definitely shaped me into the uh competitor that I am today and um it's you know I love doing it I love going out there and you know putting everything on the line trying to help the team win this seems to be a common trend I was uh I was watching the Derek Jeter documentary and he said that his dad would always just beat the crap out of him at everything that he competed at. And then you kind of you kind of ushered the same thing with your kid now. Are you just going to destroy him at all sports? Oh yeah, he, <laughs> no no leeway. Like uh, you know, if he's gonna if he's gonna win, like I want him to earn it. You know, I don't no no handouts. You know, want to want to teach him. You know, you got to work for something, and once you achieve it, it feels a lot better. I love it. And and when your kid finally beats you at the sport, kind of when you finally beat your dad, it's going to feel pretty good. Exactly. Like, I, I still I still remember the first time I beat my brother and my dad in ping pong. So um, you, you were talking about earning it and moving into the minor leagues. You spent parts of eight years in the minor leagues after mm-hmm. being drafted as an 18 year old out of high school. You went from Eugene to South Bend, Tennessee, Iowa. Was there ever a moment, though, where you thought to yourself, man, maybe this isn't for me? Um, I never I never thought that baseball wasn't for me. Um, I remember in South Bend, so the year was probably 2016, um, I had like a 5 ERA that year. And I remember, and that was the first time I really like faced some adversity in the season, like struggled, um, all that stuff. And uh, I, I, did, I really needed it because I – you know, I think everybody needs to experience failure in order to, you know, have the most success they can have. But um, that year, I, I remember after that season happened, going into that offseason, being like, okay, like, just had that wake-up call. Like, now it's time to, like, really start improving, start working. Like, you know where you stand against guys at low A. You're trying to get to the big leagues. Like, you have a lot of room you got to make up for. So I really just started putting a lot of work and uh, intent into my work um yeah I would just say I went at, at that point I just kind of went into that offseason with a different mindset different work ethic and started uh really honing in on pitching yeah and I saw in an interview that your coaches in South Bend were really really impactful for you and like you said you were a 20 20 year old in a ball and then you went to South Bend and you dominated what did you kind of learn from them that maybe now sticks with you in the big leagues that if a young baseball player came up to you, just kind of that advice that you got from them at South Bend, maybe it was, you know, switching up your mechanics. Maybe it was a pitch thing. Maybe it was a mindset thing. 
I guess what did what was the most um, impactful thing you learned from them? I'd say the main thing is having conviction and confidence in each and every single pitch you throw. Um, never throw a pitch that you know you're not confident in. You know, people always like you'll be watching a baseball game and people always ask like what pitch would you throw right here what pitch would you throw here and you know oh two count and my pitching coach that I've had I had him in South Bend I've had him as a coordinator rehab coach Ron Ballone he's been with the Cubs forever playing the big big leagues for 13 or 14 years 12 different teams the dude's seen everything but um he would always ask you know what pitch would you throw right here and his answer always is the one you're most confident in that's mm-hmm. the best pitch to throw in any situation it doesn't matter if it's Albert Pujols right now and he's just smashing heaters out of the ballpark. If your heater is your best pitch and it's your most confident, like I want you throwing that pitch in that situation, you know? So speaking about pitches kind of in the minor league, because I want to talk about your pitch mix because you've changed it up, at least going into this season. When we spoke with Nestor Cortez and we spoke with um, Jesus Zardo, they pointed to a couple of pitchers along the way that maybe gave them a pitch. For example, like CeCe in the cutter, who he learned from Masahiro Tanaka, or maybe learned from Mariano Rivera or Nestor and Gio Gonzalez, like learning a slider or anything like that. Was there kind of pitches that you learned across the way from big-time starters? Um, I didn't learn it from any pitcher or anything, but when I started throwing a slider, I think everything kind of started taking off for me. It kind of just added more value to all my other pitches because it was just such a, it was a sweepy, sweeping, uh, swing and miss pitch for me. And then I also had my curveball that was kind of a swing and miss pitch and then my fastball that, you know, played up as well. So I had three pitches that played off of one another. And at that point, everything kind of took off because, with the slider, I was just able to throw for strikes whenever I wanted, throw it to the back foot whenever I wanted. And then they got to a point where they were starting to, you know, sit on the slider. I just pop, start popping fours up. Kind of like uh, like Rodon. I like I love watching Carlos Rodon pitch. And I really like to mimic my pitching style off of him. He's a pretty good one. He was one of my favorite yeah. pitchers going into this year because I think he's disgusting. When you get the high spin heater up in the zone with the yeah. slider that you just can't see, especially if you're a yeah. left-handed hitter. Uh, when he got when he got that two year deal, we were talking about like best free agent signings this offseason. And I think, you know, teams were a little bit hesitant to give him that Robbie Ray type of contract or that Kevin Gosman mm-hmm. just because he hasn't stayed healthy. But when he is healthy and now he's been healthy all year, you see the potential with him and and what a slider can especially do for a guy like you, especially as a left hander. I'm also interested to kind of when that slider came to be, because you spoke about this a little bit, but I'd like to dive into it a little bit more. In 2019 in the minors, you, like you said, you had a rough year in the minors. You had an ERA over five in double A and then the pandemic hit. Like in 2021, you came back the next year and you just forgot how to allow runs. You were just like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. You give up four earned runs in AAA through 27 innings, dude. Like what was that period in your life like? And was the slider the only adjustment that you made or were there others? Because that was a long extended period of time. Like I even we were talking pre-record about the just about this company that the arm and Jack, they got their jobs taken away in 2020 from the minor mm-hmm. leagues, like that was a long extended absence. You know, I'm just curious the developments that you've made, not only with the slider, but just in life. So during the, so that was COVID year, COVID season. Um, before COVID happened, it was 2019. I was in big league spring training. I remember we had just got back from the Vegas trip for the spring training game. We were playing the A's and as when we landed back in Arizona, for um, more spring training games, like everything was canceled. Like season was getting canceled, everything was ending. And this was my first big league spring training, I believe. 
And then the next year, once the season started, they decided to have a season. I went to the alternate site, like where the taxi squad was. And that's kind of where I really started taking steps forward and developing, you know, not just my slider and making it the pitch that it is, but just really finding out who I am as a pitcher and finding out what makes me tick and what makes me good. And for me, that was like finding out that my four seam with its natural cut that it has, like moving that thing into righties, up and in righties, moving it downstairs to them, and then being able to backdoor it, which that's kind of the development I would say I've been making over the course of this season. But just finding it that COVID year was just finding out who I was and what made me good and just really honing in on that and just hammering it. I have a simple question, but who are you as a pitcher? Uh, I'm a four-seam slider guy. Um, those are my two pitches that I throw majority of the time. I'm going to move my four-seam into righties. It's going to cut, and I'm going to be able to backdoor it to righties as well. Slider, can bang it for the on the backside for a strike, backfoot it, and then – for me, like if, if you get if it gets to a point, so there's definitely hitters in the game where, you know, you got to start pitching different. I'll start mixing in change ups or curveballs, just show a different pitch to get them off of them too. But um, for me, I say like four seam slider, like that's my bread and butter, and that's kind of like what got me here. And then for me going into this offseason, I'm just going to continue to hone in on the mother pitches and just try to make them as good as them too. And I agree. Like your slider is disgusting, and you started throwing it in over thirty percent of the time right now, and you rely on that four seam. I'm just curious why. I know obviously you want to throw the slider more because it's a good pitch, and we talk about it on this podcast throw your best pitches more. Like mm-hmm. they're going to do better for you in the long run. But you do have a sinker and a curveball. Like you have other pitches. What yeah. kind of made you say, you know what? I'm going to level off these a little bit because you're not throwing anything north of 10%. It's really fastball slider. And it's obviously worked. Like you're shoving. You have a 3180 and and you've been one of the best pitchers in the second half in all of baseball. But I guess I'm just curious. I used to throw my sinker a lot more than I do now. Um, I think the main reason is just because, like, the lineups I face now is so heavily right-handed. Mm. Um, so – for me, like the sinker almost does them a favor because it's going back towards their barrel um, unless I'm like starting it off the outside part of the plate and it ends up away. But like for me, the fastball that I'm going to throw to a righty is going to be my forcing because if it's going to go anywhere, it's going to cut in on their hands and that's moving away from the barrel, weak contact. That's kind of what you want. And um, and then the slider also just plays off that as well. But um Face, when I'm facing lefties, I throw sinkers a lot more because I like it going into their hands rather than my forcing kind of goes away uh, back towards the barrel. You must be pretty excited, dude. I mean, the results so far this season, like how how you feeling? Like I have plenty more questions, <laughs> but how you feeling, dude? You, I mean, you're shoving. I've said it multiple times, but you are dominating in the bigs right now. Uh, I mean, it definitely feels good. Um, put a lot of hard work, a lot of effort into this. A lot of years, like you said, eight eight years in the minor leagues. That's no short stint no in the minor joke. leagues, but it's uh, you know, hard work pays off, and you know, I'm just happy to be here and just want to keep improving. A story that I thought was kind of hilarious uh, when you face the Braves. So Wilson Contreras, your catcher, and William Contreras are brothers, both all stars, both awesome mm-hmm. players, and he said he wasn't going to call pitches against him when you were on the mound, and the quote yeah. was, "If he got a hit." It wouldn't be because of me speaking for Wilson Contreras. Yeah, yeah. 
how was that experience for you as they're one of the few brother duos in baseball history and you had a chance to stare at one in the plate and then one catching you like how was that conversation what was that experience like uh, it was it was really funny and we did I, I told him in the pregame meeting when we were facing his brother I looked at him I was like hey this is your brother like you tell me how to get him out and he was like hey I'm not telling you anything because like he was, he was kind of, it was coming from where, like, if he gets a hit, I don't want you coming at me because, like, saying it was my fault. And I was like, okay, I understand that. So, it was kind of just me. Like, he would just he was just kind of throwing uh, suggestions at me with the uh, pitch com. It was more of a suggestion. But um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, he's a – both of them, really talented players, really good hitters. They're a lot of fun to watch. And, um, man, his, his brother, he – Really pretty swing. I like how he stands up tall, strides right into the ball. He's really, going to be a really good player for years to come. What's it like throwing a Wilson Contreras? Because I'm sure a lot of Cubs fans are going to listen to this and and want to hear about Wilson. Like, What's it like throwing to him every fifth day and then watching him in the plate? He's one of the best catchers in the sport. I, I love throwing to him. He's It's fun throwing to somebody that's competing as hard as me out there. Yeah. Um, he's you know He's got that bulldog mentality. And um, when me and like, for instance, like when me and him get in like tough situations, you know, running on second, third, less than two outs or something, like I'm thinking I want to strike this dude out, get to two outs, and then I'm in a much better situation. He's thinking the same thing. We both just kind of have that bulldog mentality, like let's go get it, time to bear down, especially when runners are on. So it's really fun being paired with somebody you know that has that competitive edge, like that. And Wilson gets all the shine, of course, because he breaks but who's a player who's a player on the cubs who doesn't get the shine and the attention maybe not oh, even in chicago man. that's the, i know you is, probably have tons the, this is easy first one that comes to mind is nico horner nico horner is one of the best players in baseball i've watched oh, him man. every day this i've watched him every day this past season and just when you just ball player like just a a major league baseball player and he like play, you put him at short. He's falling out. Like he makes every play. Like you know, putting everything on the line every single game. You move him to second. He does the same thing. Like you could put him in center field, and he would play a good center field. Like it doesn't matter. And he's gonna hit three hundred. Like it's he's so much fun to watch. Another one's Ian Happ. He's having an incredible year, playing a great left field switch hitter. Good. I don't know what he's hitting exactly right now, but he's tearing the cover off the ball. Um. Brandon Hughes, reliever for us. He's having a huge year. Just got caught up this year. He was a minor league uh, hitter just like three years ago, two years ago. And he's in the big leagues, and he's like just making an absolute name for himself right now in our bullpen. It's, it's, just, it's a lot of fun to watch, even when, like, you know, a season doesn't go exactly how you want it to go. It's a lot of fun to watch situations like this unfold. Nico Horner, when we asked Cubs fans, you know, we did a – who's the most underrated player in baseball kind of stuff, Nico Horner, Nico Horner, Nico Horner. And you watch him play. There's nothing that Nico Horner is bad at. He's nope. above average at everything. He's a good base runner. He's an excellent fielder. He puts bats ball, but he's got sneaky power and he's got a good arm. He's one of the, we even have an article on just baseball.com. We called him the most underrated player in all of baseball. Is that, is that a proper designation for him? Uh, absolutely. And the only thing you could say it's like he's not hitting the ball out of the park enough, but like look at his exit bosses. You exactly. see, like, like he smokes the ball exactly. every single time. And like 
And like, for instance, like I love when he gets like two Oh, two, one, three, one, three Oh, and he has the green light and he just takes the huge, like just biggest hacks. And I just love it. It's he's so much fun to watch. I I need, I need this question answered because I've always wanted to know how tough it is pitching in Wrigley when the wind is blowing out like crazy. Mm. Like those days seem to produce 10 runs on both sides. What's your game plan when the wind's blowing out 20 miles an hour? Like, what do you do? Is it just like, well, all I got to do is compete today because it's going to be impossible. Yeah, I had one of them starts last year towards the end of the year and when was howling out and it just so happened to be the Cardinals in the midst of their 17-game oh, win streak. <laughs> so they were red hot and uh, uh, he was pitching at Wrigley. The wind was blowing at like 15 miles an hour out. So I ended up giving a broken bat home run that game. It was hit 88 miles an hour off the bat. <laughs> it was a home run. Um, but the other home runs I gave up were very well touched. <laughs> they should have been home runs. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's Wrigley can be your best friend and can turn a crap outing into a good outing because, like, it can turn home runs into just r- routine fly balls. Or it can be like that day where just like if they touch it and it's in the air, it's getting out of the ballpark. Um, there's no place in the world like Wrigley, though. I, I love that place so much. It's the most incredible place to play baseball in the world. The fans, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on. Like the fans are there. They're going nuts. You know, that place is very special. Yeah. First of all, I need one of those hats, the Wrigleyville for all oh, yeah. folks watching on YouTube. So, I've always been curious because, I mean, you're from a small town in Mississippi, but then you go to Chicago and even your wife is from the East Coast. Like, how has it been adjusting to the big city life, you know, pitching in front of maybe, you know, a couple hundred people in high school to then 40,000 in Wrigley and one of the most jam-packed, energized stadium? Like, what is that like? Um, I mean, I love it. Uh, I love competing and I want to compete at the highest level. Um, that's just kind of how I've always been. And this is, I've always wanted to be on, you know, on the biggest stage playing baseball. It's been my dream ever since I was a little kid, but coming from a small town, you know, it's, you know, it's very far away when you look at it, you know, from yeah. like being, a, being a little kid in Lewisville, Mississippi and making it to the big leagues. But I mean, that's, that's the case for everybody. You know, the numbers aren't good for anybody. There's kids in the Dominican right now, you know, working their tail off and, you know, one of them's going to make it and then 10 of them aren't. It's just how it goes. And, but for me, I just, from a young age, I really just didn't have a backup plan. I was like, I'm going to play in the major leagues. I'm going to be a baseball player. I don't know if I'm going to be a pitcher or hitter. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to play in the major leagues. And I've just ever, you know, I've always worked towards that. And um, I would I don't even know what the question was, but I'm just kind of rambling right now. <laughs> I also just kind of moving back to high school just a little bit because I have I have one more big question and then we have some rapid fire ones to end it. Um, you kind of decided you, you you said, I don't know whether I'm going to be a hitter or a pitcher. Like I'm just going to make the big leagues. When did you make the distinction or did someone make it for you? Because like I said, you hit 416 in high school, like you raked, but then you also threw two no hitters. So when was it, all right, now I'm going to be a pitcher or did they, when they drafted you, they were like, yeah, Justin, you're yeah, it, throw gas, like you're pitching. Well, <laughs> once I, once I started getting looks at the uh, professional scouts, it's kind of when it was, the decision was made for me. I was going to Southern Miss. I was going to be a dual guy. I was going to hit and pitch. 
which was kind of the reason which was kind of the reason I wanted to go to Southern Miss because they were offering that to me. I was like, I'd love to continue hitting. Still love hitting. Um, but uh yeah, that was kind of when the decision was made was whenever I was drafted, they kind of took the bat out of my hands. So we're gonna get back to the bat when we talk when we go through our rapid questions. But just to end this one, now that you've had two seasons under your belt and you've really established yourself as a big leaguer, what are some of your goals for next year? Because, you know, you move forward each year, you learn from your mistakes and you just get better. And it, it you've proven to do that through eight years in the minor leagues. Like you did your first stint in the bigs and then you just improved massively from that year. What are your goals for next year? Um, My goals for next year are I want to lock down 30 starts. Don't miss a start. At least 30 starts over the course of the season, at least 160 innings. Um, and I would say like 190 plus strikeouts. Uh, I'm really, I really want to lock down as like somebody that, you know, every fifth day the team can like hand the ball to and, you know, feel good about that day. Um, just want to be known for consistency. Who's a pitcher that you feel emulates that in a way that you kind of want to be like? Carlos Rodon's been that this year. Sandy Alcantara has been that this year. Um, Justin Verlander has been that this year. Dylan Cease has been that this year. Um, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of guys, um, Dylan Cease has been a lot of fun to watch. It's one of, me and him was drafted together. It's one of my buddies. He's really, really happy for him, what he's doing over there. It's He's been a lot of fun to watch this year. He's got a pretty good slider, too. Um, yeah, he does. <laughs> all right, let's get to some rapid-fire questions, too. So, first one, who's the toughest at-bat you've had in the big league so far? Juan Soto. Juan Soto, huh? Anyone else come to mind, or is it just it is Juan Soto? It is Juan Soto, and then second would be Paul Goldschmidt pretty good list Paul yeah. Goldschmidt against lefties this year is Barry Bonds he, he's very good against lefties I, <laughs> I tread carefully facing Paul Goldschmidt and then you got him on his, and then you got Albert Pools on his own team going for 700 home runs I mean it's just crazy and then and then Arnado and then Edmund that lineup it's a pain to face it's a pain and they're one of the best teams in baseball but who's the best pitcher you've been ever you've been able to play with and then the best pitcher you've opposed against Best pitcher I played with would be, I mean, played with uh, Arietta, Jake Arietta, a little bit last year. And um, I was talking with Hap yesterday about it, actually. That run he went on in the uh, second half of, I think it was 2015. Unreal. He had a .4 ERA in the second half. And just like he was – he he was the best pitcher on the planet at that time, and there was no question. Like it was, so I, I'm gonna go with Jake just because, like, I when I I think to him and I think to that stretch he had, and it was just so remarkable. What about a pose against? Pose against Corbin Burns. Yeah, that's sick. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if you had to cut one from your life, is it fishing or golfing? Golfing. Golfing's out. You're fishing? I'm fishing. Love it. So I also, you have a really impressive card collection. What's your most prized card? That's that's a tough question. I have a um, graded 10 out of 10, Ken Griffey Jr. Tiffany, 41T Tiffany um, rookie card. It's 
I don't know. I haven't looked in a while. The last time I looked, it's pro- it was going for like eight grand. Um, but just because it's King Griffey's rookie card, I like I, I prize that one the most. Yeah, like you um, might have. I, I don't know. I might have one that's worked a little bit more, but I prize that one the most because it's like I've had it. Me and my brothers had it since we were kids. Is he your favorite all-time player, Ken Griffey? He's my brother's favorite all-time player. Growing up, I was a Tom Glavin, yeah. um, Tom Glavin fan when I was really young, and then when I got a little in like my teenage years, like Cole Hamels, all them guys, the, that Phillies team. Love it. Um, and just going back to the to hitting a little bit. I mean, you hit 418 in high school. Were you upset when they took away the DH in the National League? I was a little bit. I understand why they did. Um, but for me, I, I loved hitting. I loved getting in the box. Even when I was in the big leagues, I loved stepping in the box and, like, just competing and just, like, trying to get a hit off of whoever it was. Um, but like I said, I understand it, you know, especially – I, I got hurt last year on the base pass. So, so it's probably yeah. a good thing. I mean, I got to yeah. be honest. Like, I – I was pretty happy to see it go just because there were so many videos of, you know, pitchers just going up there and not swinging the bat at all. It was a free out. And then you just don't want them to get hurt. I remember like, I'm a, I grew up a Yankee fan and I remember Ching Ming Wong when he got injured running the bases. And then we lost him for basically the rest of his career. And then you see the guys in, in big puffer jackets running the bases. So I was okay with it gone, but then at the same time, I can feel for the guys who raked in in high school and can actually hit but i just feel like there was some pitchers who just don't care like was there any pitchers on the cubs when the dh was gone where it was like fit uh yeah yeah absolutely there, there, there's there's a i would say there's more of them guys than there is guys that like want to get in there and actually you know swing and stuff um but there, there's kind of an advantage to having pitchers that want to get in there and hit if you had the, I mean, that's a spot in the lineup, you know, like there's some strategy, like, I, I don't know. There's, you know, it takes some beauty away from the game, but it also like it's fixing some things like pitchers getting injured and whatnot, which is very important. So as a guy who's done both Shohei Otani versus Aaron judge for AL MVP, how are you feeling? I think I mean, just because of the Yankees and where they're at and where the the Angels and where they're at, you would give it to Judge because, I mean, they're in the playoff picture and all that stuff, and he's having an incredible year. Um, But it's really hard. Like, I don't understand how Shohei's Otani's war isn't higher because he's so dominant as a pitcher and so dominant as a hitter. I know like something about the war stat versus DHs. Like DHs. it penalizes, it penalizes them. That's why Jordan, Jordan has a 178 WRC plus or something insane. He has like a five war. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. The, yeah. Dinged at, for being a DH. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, both of them incredible players, but it, I'll give it to judge. If it ended right now, I'd give it to judge right now. Just because, just because of where they're at as a team and what he's done for them. I have a future ticket on Aaron Judge plus eighteen hundred. So I, I need more Judge <laughs> propaganda. I need more Judge Definitely. propaganda. All right, last yeah. one. Uh, favorite thing to eat in Chicago, and does Chicago have better food than Mississippi? Chicago, Chicago has a more variety of good food, um, but the quality of the food itself, I I'm, I can't turn my back on the South. I, I love like good home country cooking. Um, but Chicago's food is really good. I love the pizza. I love the variety of food. Like it doesn't matter what you want, Chicago's got something good for you. Um, 
and it's a great place to eat. Well, thank you, Justin. I mean, this was awesome. Great conversation with you. Welcome, Justin, onto the Just Baseball Show, and you're welcome anytime. Just uh, for Cubs fans who want to see you back on the mound, um, when you come back? Um, had a bullpen yesterday. You know, back's feeling better. Um, gonna tr- still aiming to have at least one or two more starts before the end of the year. But obviously, the main thing is like just getting back to 100 percent, making sure I'm 100 percent healthy going into the offseason, getting ready for next year. And just baseball show fans, go check out Justin Steele on the mound for the Chicago Cubs. Justin, thanks again for coming, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24.